Welcome to Your True North, a program that explores how values act as a compass directing our lives and work. Inspiring guests tell how key events and influential figures shaped their values and how they've used those values to create a life rich in meaning, accomplishments, and personal satisfaction. Your True North is hosted by Cindy Camp. Are you seeking your true north? Then welcome. How does a human being take some of life's most difficult circumstances and use them, not only for good in his own life, but also for good in the lives of others? My guest on Your True North today, Dr. John Shinsky, grew up in an orphanage, but he went on to have a distinguished career and is now himself the founder of an orphanage in Mexico, as well as being an associate dean at Grand Valley State University. It's my great honor to welcome you today, Dr. John Shinsky. Thank you. It's great to be here. So I want to ask you, first of all, about your own childhood. Um, I know that your, your growing up, your childhood is directly connected now to the work that you're doing with orphans in Mexico. What were the family circumstances that led you to become an orphan as a young boy? Well, I, I lived in Lorain, Ohio, which is a small town outside of Cleveland, Ohio. We lived in a very tough area, and um, my father died when I was eight years old. And because of the circumstances in the community and it was a tough area, my mom had to make a decision on what she needed to do with me because I was beginning to get into some kind of trouble. It wasn't bad, but you could see the path. And she went to the church and talked to the church, what's a good thing to do. And they made a recommendation that she consider putting me into an orphanage. So she chose to put me into Parmadale Orphanage when I was at age eight. Um, I didn't know exactly what was happening or what was going to happen, but it, it was at that moment where my life was completely changed. My mom, I had a little bag I carried out of the house, and my mom said, oh, you know, you'll probably come back. I, didn't, I thought I was going to come back, but I got in the car with these two guys and drove away, and I looked out the back window of my car, the car and saw my house go, and then that was it. My life changed. I went into the orphanage at age eight. I um, was with all kinds of kids similar to me, and um, it was actually, while you think it was a very tough and bad thing, it was really a great thing. It was the beginning of, of, of my journey, of which I really, you know, cherish. It was difficult, but it was, but it was special. And so from that point on, um, I was at the orphanage for about three years, and then I ended up uh, um, having a... a family that wanted to put me into a, be part of the foster family with them. So I went into a foster home and um, it was at that time that I ended up having a great opportunity to go to a, a, a Catholic elementary school and then a Catholic high school, uh, Cleveland St. Joseph High School. And that, that experience in itself changed my life also because that was where um, some big transformations took place. When I originally went to the elementary school, for example, you know, in the orphanage, the toughest kid rules. So if someone says something to you or, or something, you can just punch them out and that's it. And even I, you know, I had nuns that took care of us in the orphanage with all of us. And they say, you want to duke it out, go downstairs, we'll put the gloves on. And, but, um, but I ended up going into the school and with all these characteristics that I learned at the orphanage, that was our culture you know, I ended up getting in a fight, doing this, doing that, doing that, and got thrown out of school. 
And I couldn't understand why, because, but that was the culture I was in. And it was a culture I came from uh, going all the way back to when I was at my home in Lorain, Ohio. My, my dad married my m- mom, who was very young. There was a big dis- difference in it. His first wife died, but there were, he had seven other children before me, and several of them were having trouble with the law and things like that. And that's what turned it around for me to be able to go to the orphanage. But I came with that kind of street background into a very, you know, conservative community. And it took some time. Even my foster parents at one point felt that maybe it would be a good idea for you to go back to the orphanage. And I agreed. I wanted to go back to you the did. orphanage. So that's so interesting because I yeah. think most people's idea about an orphanage would be that, oh, it would be a, a place you wouldn't want to have a child, mm-hmm. you know, have to grow up. But it sounds like you had a lot of positive experiences there. I did. It was different. But, you know, um, I did have positive experiences there. It was tough. Yeah. But, um, but there is a lot of things emotionally that I think the nuns helped us get through. And there's just a different culture there that you grew up in and you learned from and you you did. I mean, um, you know, one example that I didn't even think about, you know, now that I look back on, you know, all of a sudden I lost my dad. Now I lost my home. Now I lost my mom. Now I lost everything. And, um, And the nuns picked up on that. I mean, they know that children come there with a lot of needs. And one thing, again, there were many, many things in my life that have changed my life and refocused my life. And this was one of them when a nun took me aside and she says, I want you to come with me. And she says, I want you to write, did you, have you had a chance to say goodbye to your dad? And I thought, no, I didn't have a chance to say goodbye to my dad. Did, did he die suddenly? He died, yeah, yeah. He died of a heart attack and yeah. dropped and that was it. And, um, and she says, well, I want you to write a final letter to your dad, a final. So I wrote a final letter and she ended up putting it in a balloon and then let the balloon go so that it would go up and then I would be able to, to deal with that. And, and that, to say goodbye, to, to have say some goodbye, closure. But I had no idea in me what I was dealing with. And um, so there were, so there were different experiences like that where there were people there to be able to help me through things. And as I've been in education for 40 years, and I've seen children from all different backgrounds, all different situations, and all different kinds of challenges, and there's tremendous educators and teachers and people that are working with children today. But for uh, adults to be able to look into the lives of children and to be able to do something that touches their lives and changes their lives is the thing that be able the, the the thing that makes a difference for that individual to make a difference. In other words, in order for me to make the differences that I'm making today, people impacted my life to be able to do that. One particular situation that really caused me to really think seriously about the future of yeah, my tell, life. Yeah, tell tell us about that. Um, well, I ended up going to Michigan State University on a football scholarship because Cleveland St. Joe's was a great football school and sports school. I, re- I, play, I was, was a wrestler and a football player and track, and I got into that because I was having so many challenges in school that the social worker that came from the orphanage back to my foster family said, why don't you get him into sports? 
get his energy into a, a direction. And that's what got me into sports. And ultimately being able, and coaches were fantastic. Being part of a team was fantastic. And those things um, came together for me to end up getting a scholarship to Michigan State. So, so I played at Michigan State. I was with some great guys who were All-Americans and NFL Hall of Fame, an All-American yeah. football player at yeah. Michigan State, yes. And um, I expected to play professional football. That was my goal. Well, I ended up getting knee surgery, and I ended up having three knee operations and one back operation. While you were still in college? Yeah. Wow. And I ended up still playing after that. So my expectation was going to the NFL. And um, at that time, you know, there was, there was another um, world sports football team that came out to the World Football League. And the NFL is not going to take you if you have that many injuries and so on. So the World Football League offered me a contract. And um, they wrote into con my contract that if your knee gets hurt, it's due to previous injury and we don't have to pay you. And I made my mind up at that time that I was going to go ahead uh, and go into education and I'm not going to play football because it w I'd get even more damage. I wouldn't be able to walk by the time I'm 30. Sounds so like I, a good decision. Yeah, it was a great decision. Then I went back. I decided at that point, you know what? I need to go back and, and reconnect with my life. So I went back to the orphanage that I came from in Parmadale and I looked at the kids there and I looked at the environment and I, I walked out and I said, you know, dear God, I've been blessed with a, 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 you know, being in the orphanage, I've been blessed with a foster home, blessed with an education, I'm going to college. You know, someday I want to build a home for kids just like me. But I, um, I, I, I went to the orphanage and I said, you know what, I'm going to, I want to build a home for kids like me. Yeah. And then, you know, I prayed and thought about it and I did all these kinds of things to see. I did all kinds of service work to get me in that direction. But there was one other thing I needed to do that was pretty challenging for me. And that is I needed to resolve some things with my mom, which I, I haven't seen her, you know, ever since she let, since we left. So I mean, she we didn't visit you at the orphanage? No, you didn't have once, much contact. once or twice. Okay. But I understand later why. Okay. But I ended up going back to my, house, my home where I was. My mom had no phone, had nothing. We our family rented it for a hundred years. I knocked on the door, I re-met my mother, I talked to her and I said, look, you know what? I'm going to put a phone in your house so we can stay in touch and things like that. And then I went back home. So then I, one night <clears throat> I said, you know what? I need to ask a question to my mother that I need an answer to. And there's no answer that would be able to allow me to feel good about it. So I called her and I, I called her and I said, mom, why did you give me up? And she wasn't a sophisticated lady or had quick answers to things. She just talked right from the heart. And she says, I gave you up because I loved you more than I loved myself. And that in itself gave me a deep, deep message where I was concerned about how could a mother give up their child. And now I realized all those years that she wasn't part of my life and that she sacrificed for me to have a better life, and now I have a better life. And it was at that time I, it was at that time I said, you know, it's time for me to give back. I had a person who isn't a big hero and you know gets all kinds of awards. This is a mother's love 
to sacrifice her life with her child to have her child be able to contribute back. Yeah, and as you're telling that story, I'm thinking you were so brave to ask the question because I think I don't I don't know if there's a, a deeper question than that question when you think about mm-hmm. your story and being given up by your mother when you were a yeah. boy. Yeah. And I think for her to to reveal to you how hard mm-hmm. it was, but that she really did love you so much. She was willing to sacrifice her relationship with you. But I'm sure as she looked at your older half-brothers, sisters, and, and didn't didn't want you on the same path where some of them That's, were struggling with the law. And yeah. so, but, and, and many people around the world today make that decision for children. They make it all the time. And those are such heroes that they do that for their children. But that's what inspired me to be able to do something for others. At the same time, the one thing that I really wanted to happen to um, is I ended up getting my doctorate degree at Michigan State, and I thought, I'm going to invite my mother to come and see this. So my mother came to my graduation at Michigan State. She didn't have much, you know, so I bought her a new outfit, got her hair done and everything, and she went to the um, graduation, and she met my foster parents, and uh, and then she went back home and, you know, and it was a pretty touching moment because it was a realization on her part that what she did made a difference. And on my part to be able to let her know that she did make a difference. So Sunday night I called her after she got home to make sure she got home okay. And I called her and I said, you know, Mom, I'm a teacher and I got a life insurance policy and if something happens to me, I'll make sure you're taken care of. And she appreciated that. She said, and she probably Thank never you. expected it no. because you had, you know, yeah. left her life when you were a boy, and she probably just, you know, didn't yeah. have much expectation that you would would be even in touch. Never mind, really looking out for her and looking after her. Yeah, and she would never imagine, you know, imagine that. I mean, I, how would your life end up? The decision you made end up having your son say to you, "I'll take care of you." So I come home Monday. And I've got a message on my phone machine, answering machine, so I answer the message. And it's the coroner's office from Lorain, Ohio, that called and said, we want to let you know that your mother died of a brain aneurysm this morning. Oh, wow. So I had to drive back to Lorain, Ohio, and bury my mother um, and this is right I, after you finished your, your PhD and she had seen you get the doctoral in, degree. Yeah. I buried her in the same outfit that I bought her to come to my graduation. And, and it was at that time too, that I realized, you know, here's a person who lived a whole life. And then you, you ask yourself, what did I do in my life that matters? Uh, and that's the thing I ask myself often, because I think for her, when, when, you know, here's a lady who works, she was a bill collector. She'd drive up to people's houses and collect bills and do things. She was, she was tough. We lived in a very tough neighborhood. When I went to take her goods, all she had was a little bag and she had a little gremlin car that had a padlock on the hood because people came and stole batteries out. So she lived in a very tough neighborhood too. But for her to be able to see me graduate and for her to be able um, to recognize the value of what she did to touch my life, I think was, was a fantastic gift for her. I'm so glad that I brought her to my, to my um, doctorate um, ceremony. But at the same time, again, for a life-changing experience at that time, when I was there looking at her, when I was burying her, 
I, I thought, this is a lady that sacrificed her life for me, and I need to sacrifice my life for someone else. And then that's when I went and still continued to say, how am I going to go ahead and build a home for kids? And then miracle after miracle happened for me to be able to do that and make well, it happen. Let's talk more about that in just a moment. I want to pause just briefly to reintroduce you. Um, today I'm talking with Dr. John Shinsky. He's the founder of an orphanage in Matamoros, Mexico, and he's also an associate dean at Grand Valley University. And talking here today about his own life story and and really about your moral compass and mm-hmm. your sense of, and, and you've shared a story now about your mom and how you saw her make a hard choice to give you up as a young boy so that you could have a better life. Um, and then the the knowledge of her, her, her death right after you got your doctoral degree um, and the realization that you really wanted to, to do something similar, that you really wanted to give up your own life. So it sounds like, um, I guess, compassion would be a, a, a key value. What would you say are the, the core values that sit at the, the center of who you are? I, um, I think compassion certainly is compassion, empathy, care, sensitivity, I think all of those things that people had to do to be able to support me through. Um, I listened recently about how people did develop empathy. And I think <clears throat> oftentimes you develop empathy because you've been through experiences like other people have, or that you've been through experiences that you can see in other people as they're going through it and to be able to be sensitive and caring about it. But when I went through that entire situation, even to today at Grand Valley State University and Michigan State University, where I graduated, they have a center for foster kids at both of those institutions, which I am very, very proud that higher education does that. And I've been at both institutions with these kids. And to see those foster kids coming up just like me in different ways to be able to have opportunities at those institutions is a, is a true blessing. And that is also something that I even get more involved, want to get even more involved with. But I'll tell you another story that's not so good. Okay. Well, and, um, help, cause help us understand. I think for yeah. many of us who, who, you know, didn't have to ever leave our own home, who were raised by our biological mm-hmm. parents, it's, as you're saying, empathy is so key, but a lot of us don't have that experience. So yeah. help us understand better what it is like to, to come from that place and what, what you try to do with kids. Well, I, I would say this, if you look at the statistics, you'll find that Foster children, for example, it's a significant amount of abuse, a significant am- amount of, of um, neglect, um, the lack of their ability to be able to go to college. They have the same uh, graduation rate as, as students who um, come from very poor backgrounds and, and abused environments. Um, so the profile of a foster child is not like me. I've been blessed and it's my duty to be able to try to bless others. Um, and I'll tell you a quick story. When I was riding my bike down to Mexico uh, with my two buddies for the orphanage, uh, there was different media groups that stopped along the way and I did interviews um, just like this. And there was one interview where I was talking to a person and I, I don't know if you know, but I'll say to you and your listeners that 
Um, there's a lot of miracles that happen in your life that also change and have an impact on your life. For me, I ended up getting neck cancer. So that was um, a year before I did the bike ride. And all of a sudden, it stopped and changed my complete life again. And I, I, in spite of that, I'm still going to ride the bike down to Mexico. Did you have the idea to do the bike ride before you were diagnosed with cancer? Yes. So you already had this idea. And I know you mm-hmm. and two friends, two yeah. former MSU football players. So the three yeah. of you ride, the plan is to ride the bikes and, and to go from Michigan down to Mexico, Mexico. and to raise money for the orphanage that That's you correct. founded. Okay. And so so I was riding my bike down to Mexico and, and ended up having an interview. And during the interview... Um, the person said to me, you know what, John, he said, um, it's really not fair that you got neck cancer. And I said, well, I appreciate the comment, but let me tell you this. Let me tell you what is unfair. It's a young man named Ricky Holland who lived in Lansing and was a foster child. This child's parents got into a battle between the two of them of a fight or something, and the police come to the house, and little Ricky explains the situation to the police. After the police leave, the father gets angry and ends up killing Ricky Holland. That is what you call unfair. That is the reality, one example of the reality of the challenges that foster children face that people don't see at all. And I've seen it. I've felt it. I've been in education for 40 years. I was a direct, I was a special ed teacher. I was a director of special ed in the Lansing Public Schools. I heavily am involved in the community. I've worked with incarcerated youth. I've worked with a lot of different individual young people where life was not fair for them. And all I can say, I guess the greatest message I can give people in this interview, that if you are blessed not to be in that kind of environment, then please embrace the other children and the other individuals who are in those kind of environments. Even if it's a classmate, even if it's a friend, even if it's somebody at church, be their friend, be their supporter, be their encourager because you've been blessed to be where you are, you need to take that blessing and turn it into blessings for others. And that's at the core. When you talk about what's at the core of me, I owe my life, I owe my mother to give back. And that's what this is all about. And the fact that it has enabled you to put something like a cancer diagnosis into perspective. So you can still see the bigger picture of all the, I think you're someone, you know, we talk about the glass half full or the glass half empty. It's kind of a simple way to explain what we choose to focus on. Mm -hmm. You're clearly someone who just sees blessings and sees the goodness. Um, I I know you're not denying that there have been hard things in your life, but I think you're so able to point out all the things that have helped you um, you know, succeed well, and, and how many children really struggle and don't necessarily have a, a good mm-hmm. orphanage to be in or a, a, a healthy mm-hmm. foster home, someone who really looks out for them um, and how much more many of us could be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be what I'm doing. You don't have to build an orphanage. You can just be a friend. You can support a young person to be able to be successful. I mean, um, you can do all kinds of things. But I also have to say that if you give out blessings, you'll be blessed too. 
And and I, I, I guess I'll tell you some another very, very meaningful story. I've had so many different ones in my life. When I was a director of special ed in Lansing Public Schools, my assistant or secretary was uh, Ger- Geraldine Richardson, who is a pastor of a church in Battle Creek, even right now, the original Church of God. She was building the church at that time. This is 25 years ago. I came to work, and Jerry said to me, John, you know, I'm building my church. I prayed to God for this, and he gave me that. I prayed to God for this, he gave me that. She says, she just prayed, and God would give it to her. And I sat there, and I said, wow, Jerry, I wish that would happen for me someday. And I, and I left, you know, and, and I walked away with that. And when I decided to build the orphanage, so many miracles have happened that you, no one can tell me that these are coincidences. I'll give, I could tell you a lot of stories. Yeah, well, so your thought process, and I know already as a young person, you wanted to give back. You wanted to do something mm-hmm. to help other children. But how did the, the idea for building an orphanage and doing it in Mexico first come into your mind? It was a miracle. Again, this is what I said. I, I did not know. I prayed to God to say, God, show me what I can do to be able to serve. All I prayed for is that I wanted to be able to build a home for kids like me. And that was in an, in an article in 1983 that I can show you. So anyways, I was doing consulting around the country. I wrote a book, a couple books on working with children with disabilities in schools and so on and so forth. And I was doing consulting too on, on private time. And I was flying down to Brownsville, Texas, and I was on a plane sitting next to a young man. And, you know, I didn't wonder what he was going to do. I said, what, what are you doing? And we got into a conversation. And he says, well, I'm going down to Mexico um, to work at an orphanage at spring break. And I said, really? And um, I said, will you send me something on it? And he sent me something on it. I took that information and I went down to Mexico where he sent this information for me to see. And I went there and I met with the people and I got a chance to see what they were doing. And I said to them, what can I do to help you? Thinking that they're going to say food and clothing and things like that. And they said, we need a new orphanage. And it was at that time of why that became Mexico. That became my connector. I had, I don't even know anybody in Mexico. I didn't even know Matamoros, Mexico existed. So when someone says, John, how did you decide on Mexico? God decided on Mexico for me. And that was it. And I knew nobody. I went into Mexico. I helped those people with three or four buildings. And then I was done with it. They can have it. And then a businessman, Mr. Ramiro Gonzalez, called me from Mexico. And he says, listen, I really appreciate what you've done down here in Matamoros. Um, If I donate 17 acres of land, will you build an orphanage? And I said, yes. And it was at that point when now all of a sudden I got the land. And then I'm down there now. So now I've got the land. I have nobody, my, just my wife, and that's it. Yeah, your wife, Cindy's the co-founder, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So I take Michigan State students down, and I do so. I have some Michigan State students down there, so I take them over to South Padre Island, you know, as a break, which is a big spring break place. And I go into a restaurant, and the, and the young man in the restaurant says to me, he looks at me, and he says, are you from Michigan State? And I said, well, yeah, I had a shirt on. It says Michigan State. He says, well, our owner's from Michigan State. 
And then I ended up connecting with Tom Hansen, who was the owner of the restaurant that helped me get into that community. And then I had a person that uh, I connected over in Mexico. And then I had both, you know, with the, the connections, which got me the connections to get me underway in Mexico and get the orphanage. So when someone says to you, you, you have to have the money, you have to do this, you have to do that, to, you know, take your passion, take your dream and go with faith and make it happen. And that's exactly what we did. Yeah. So my wife and I were building down there. And my wife, Cindy, says to me, John, you know, we don't have the money to build this orphanage. So you, I, you must have had some funds, but not enough. It took Is our it? personal funds we had, you know, and, and, and it was you know, not enough, yeah. not even close to enough. So um, I said, yeah, I understand, Cindy. So we come back home and I have $4,000. I take the $4,000 and I invest it into a penny stock. I've never done it before. I've never done it again, but I did it at that moment. In four days, $4,000 became $65,000. Wow, that is also a pretty extraordinary thing. <laughs> I took the money. I um, gave it to the Capital Region Community Foundation. That's where we put our money. And... That is the seed money that started us building our homes, which then gave me the opportunity to be able to say to people, look at what we're building. I'm over on one hand, I'm showing them dirt and saying someday there's going to be an orphanage here and we don't have the money to do it, but there's going to be an orphanage. Yeah. Now I've got money. Now I've got this. And that started it. So then, uh, you know, not too long after that, Cindy and I were at a Knights of Columbus event in Lansing. And all of a sudden, the big prize at the end um, is, is, is a financial prize. And all of a sudden here comes the numbers. And I say to Cindy, those are your numbers. And that was a $5,000 win that she got in order to help support the orphanage. So she put that into the Capital Region Foundation. So, then now my friends, and now everybody's getting a chance to see what we're doing. We're taking people down there. I've got a tremendous support. My best friend, a couple of best friends that played football with me, Kelly Dean, who now is in the Lansing uh, area. He owns Dean Transportation, and he's just a phenomenal person. My, God's blessing to me. And Joe DeLamalier, who played in the NFL, was an NFL Hall of Famer. He blocked for O.J. Simpson and that whole team with the Buffalo Bills. And my other buddy, L.J. Bowron, who uh, played football at Michigan State and had injuries, but he ended up riding a bike down with to Mexico with me, and he he became the the um, director of the Secret Service for the United States. So these are people that I came up with because my mom gave me that opportunity to be able to go to a good school. I ended up getting a football scholarship. Now I'm in a great team. Now I got great lifetime friends that pull together and help me with this orphanage, and they all become part of it. Michigan State, Coach D'Antonio, Coach Izzo, all become part of it. Terry Bradshaw comes to a big event and Coach Perlis. So now I've got this family of people who have centered around um, our home and building this orphanage for kids who were like me at the beginning. So they all became part of it, but I was blessed. 
Well, as you're saying this, I'm thinking about a guest who was here recently, and he, Kurt Verbeek, who works at Calvin College, and he runs their Justice Studies program with his wife, Joanne Van Engen. And he said one of their um, colleagues down in Honduras, where they do a lot of their work, mm-hmm. always says, if you want to make changes, you need a good team. And it sounds like you have an a, a, an exceptional team, but you also have balanced with, with the group of people you work with is your own internal sense of what you want to do, your faith in, in the possibility of doing something big like this. Um, so you've, you've had your own sort of driving force inside of you, coupled with all these people who've been able to help you in different ways. Yes. And to tell you the truth, many, and, and because I didn't go into professional football, means I don't have the core friends like this. But believe it or not, with Joe DeLon-Malier, who's an NFL Hall of Famer, we came together. This will be the sixth year this year that we're holding another NFL Legends golf outing in Chicago where we bring in all kinds of NFL Hall of Famers and players, you know, two tall Jones and, and uh, you know, just a, a Lem Barney and, and, you know, Dave Casper and Joe DeLamalier, just a lot of different players, 22 different former NFL players who are getting together to support our orphanage in Mexico. And again, it's, it's God's connector that has put all these resources around you to be able to make a difference. Yeah. And then even beyond that, I'll give you another quick example. Um, when I was down at the orphanage, I'm getting ready to leave. And, and, you know, orphans run, you, you've been so kind yourself to be able to contribute to the organization we belong to now, Nuestros Pequenos Hermanos, which is NPH yes. and NPH International. Um, so I'm leaving the orphanage and my, my head of the orphanage says to me, John, you know what? The kids are wearing out their shoes quicker than what we thought. Um, I'm getting ready to leave the orphanage, and, and Julio says to me, John, you know, the kids are wearing out their shoes. And I said, oh, okay, well, don't, I'll help you. Don't worry about that. Well, do, I'll take care of it. I come home. Cindy says to me, tomorrow we have an event at St. John's High School where we need to share something about the orphanage, but there's going to be all these tables, the you know, United Way, the Red Cross, and so on and so forth, sharing their stories. And people go around, and you give them a check mark, and then at the end of it, they get a, a tickets to Red you know, six flags or whatever. So I'm doing it. So it's over. And all of a sudden, um, the lady who runs the whole orphan or the, the event comes up to me and she says, can I talk with you? I don't even know who she is. I've never said anything to her. I don't even know. She pulls me aside and she takes me over to a side of the room and she points to the floor and says, can you use these? And the entire floor is covered with kids' brand new shoes. Now, the day before, I was I bet was your at, jaw dropped. <laughs> like, <laughs> my jaw dropped, but yeah. God blesses you with that too. And I'm a strong believer. These stories and the work I do is not for us to brag about what we do, but to help others see what they can do. So I had a young man, when we were packing up these shoes, this young man's helping us, you know, and he says, what, what are you doing with all these shoes? So, well, we're going to give them to our kids. We've got an orphanage in Mexico. He says, you got an orphanage in Mexico? And I said, yeah. He says, look, my mother just bought me these shoes. Take them. Took them off his feet and he gave me the shoes. And I said, I can't take, take my shoes. Uh-huh. And he gave me his shoes. And, and that is a genuine example that you can do anything to help. 
you give up your shoes, you don't have to have uh, thousands of dollars. You don't need to have, sometimes it's just to care. We've taken people down to our orphanage and for our kids to be able to connect with them is just special. Yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna just pause for a minute because I want to ask you more about the orphanage itself. I want to just let our listeners know we are here at Your True North today, and my guest, Dr. John Shinsky, he's the founder of an orphanage in Matamoros, Mexico, and also the associate dean at an associate dean at Grand Valley State University. Um, if if one of us were to visit your orphanage down in Matamoros, what would we see? Can you just kind of as if we were there, like walking in the door? What 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 is that like? Well. Matamoros is a tough, tough area. So you have to be careful. <clears throat> the cartels there, there's all kinds of situations that can take place. So it's a tough area. But at the same time, I've taken people down, but I only take them down when they go with me. But at the same time, um, you know, you're going to go down through town and then you're going to go back in an area way down there and you're going to pull into a kind of rural area and you're going to see our home, which we built with a lot of volunteers. We've got seven buildings. If you want to see it, you can go to our website at www.shinskyorphanage.org. That's S-H-I-N-S-K-Y orphanage.org. You'll see on the front um, you'll see pictures of our buildings, but there's very, very nice buildings that we, we put together. All volunteers, people from Lansing came down there and worked and people there. And I had a, another blessing from God that when uh, I told you about connecting with Tom Hansen at the restaurant, he connected me with a guy who said, I want to come over and see what you're doing. That guy came over to see what we're doing at the orphanage of building the buildings. And my wife and I have to go and we're not finished with the building. And he says, would you mind if I finish the building for you? And we said, sure, go ahead and There's do it. There's a nice offer, right? Great offer. He must have been a builder of some kind. But it was bigger than that. He finished the building, and then he said, could I help, could I lead the effort? And he went over there. He went over there between ages of 75 and 80 for five years. He went over every week, every day to help crews help build our home. Damon Nolan is his name. And he was God's blessing to us. He Talk about the, a great way to spend your retirement, helping uh, to, to build an orphanage he for, built it for and, some children. And, and he was phenomenal. But you will see a nice home there for the kids. You'll see, um, um, you, <laughs> I would just say, probably the most important thing is you'll see a lot of stuff, but I can tell you what, when you go there, you'll feel love. And that would be what was what would be most meaningful to the children. Yeah. I, I know I did look at your website and I did see the buildings and um, yeah, you know, it looks like a place that is so well um, constructed and cared for. Uh, but yeah, I think more than anything, it's the atmosphere of a place. Yeah. And I, I wonder if you'll tell us about some of the children there. They're beautiful children. I mean, they, they come from very tough areas. I can show you other, other pictures of our first nine children when they came there. I went down to Matamoros before um, building to see areas where it was tough for kids, and it was very tough. I actually, my wife Cindy had two children uh, before we were married. She was married before, and I took um, one of them, Justin, down there. He was uh, 12 years old at that time, and I took him and his two buddies down there with me to build. We built a home for the poor 
where there was a family that was in an eight by eight, um, like like I smaller a than a room. garage. I yeah. mean, it was just like that. They had four kids and two parents living in that. We ended up building them a 16 by 20 house. And I wanted to use those young men to see how kids could work down there. You know, how they, can they hang with you? Can they do it? Did they get it? And they, they just were fantastic. So we had an opportunity to see, I had an opportunity to see how kids would go and how it's changed their lives. And it really changes their lives. So, yeah, so we built, we built the facilities. Our kids are, um, come from all different walks of life. But the interesting thing is, and this is what happened at our orphanage when I was in Parmadale, was you become a family. You become a family yourself. And so all the, all of the children who live in the orphanage as well as the people who care for them, it's sort of a big extended yeah. family. And the, and the interesting thing about NPH International, Nuestros Pequenos Hermanos, is that they, um, they feel that we have orphans running the orphanage. Mm. Now, that's interesting. And let me just add for our listeners, so that is a organization that has orphanages throughout Mexico Latin and parts America. of Latin, yeah, Latin America. Um, so, yeah, that's your orphanage is now part of their organization. Our, our orphanage has become part of their organization, and I can tell you how that miracle happened, too. Why don't um, you, yeah, tell us how, how you connected well, with them. Well, here's the situation. My wife and I, we finished the buildings. Now we have to hire somebody. To stay there to, to be, run it, yeah, and you know, so we ended up trying to find somebody and, and something like that, you know, and we found one guy that we thought might be a good guy, but it didn't quite work. But then all of a sudden, you know, I had a, um, I don't know if you ever had a gland in your neck that you'd say, oh, geez, I got a cold, or you know, I got a swollen gland. Mm-hmm. Well, I felt it there, and it was there for a while, so I went to the doctor. And the doctor said, oh, don't worry about it. And I went down and worked at the orphanage and came back. And he said, oh, if it's still there, then just come on in. We'll do a biopsy. And uh, so I came in. And when it was over, he said, I have to tell you, you've got neck cancer. So this was your, This was right before. This is when we can open the orphanage. And now I get neck cancer. And this knocks me out for a year because I had to get radiation across my whole face 30 minutes every day for seven weeks, and I lost my taste. I lost my voice. Um, I, you know, I had chemo at Michigan State, some of the toughest chemo there is. Yeah, neck and, cancer is an especially brutal cancer. Yeah, and it's, it's tough. But I made it through. But, again, a miracle. I call a lady in Arizona who's a donor for the orphanage, and I call her and I say, Nancy, I said, you know what? I'm sorry to tell you this, but I have neck cancer. I don't know whether I'm going to live in or die, but you said you're going to donate money to the kids. Will you still donate money? And she says, yeah, John, don't worry about it. The kids will be taken care of. But she, she said to me, I just saw my friend the other day, and she says, I um, she was talking about this place, Friends of the Orphans, and you need to contact them. And I said, well, what are you talking about? Yeah. She said, Friends of the Orphans. I said, who are Friends of the Orphans? And she said, well, they're an organization that helps orphanages. I said, well, where are they located? She said, Chicago. Well, I'm in Michigan. Yeah, I'll certainly contact I contact them in, 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 in Chicago, and I say to them, you know, tell me about what you do. They said, well, we, we are the fundraising arm of what we call, you know, Friends of the Orphans, 
in and later no, became NPH. NPH. They changed yeah, their name they changed later. Their name. Yeah. yeah. So, but I said, well, where's the orphanages? Play? The, the the you know the main place for the orphanage? And they said, well, it's in Mexico. And I said, well, I I have a place in Mexico. So they said, yeah, it's in Cornavaca, Mexico. So I called down. I flew down to Cornavaca, Mexico, and went to see what they have at that orphanage. They had probably at that time they had like eight hundred children in that in that major orphanage. They call it a home, you know. I call it an orphanage because that's how I came up. But um, so I'm meeting with all these people about what they do and how they do it and how they run as kids, and it and it looks really good. And I said to them, you know what? I don't want to talk anymore about what you do. I want to talk about what we can do together. And they said, well, John, we've never done that before. You're going to have to talk to Father Phil. So, okay. So I talked to Father Phil. I said, Father Phil, you know what? I'd love to be able to get together with you. What do you think? He said, well, we've never done it before. And I have to think about it. And I said, look, Father Phil, I'm a former orphan. I've got seven buildings built in Matamoros, Mexico. You serve children throughout Latin America in nine different countries. Matamoros is a place that, that, you know, fits within what you do. So he came back. He said, give me a day or two. He comes back and he says, John, I tell you what, we'll join with you. We will run the orphanage for three years and work with you. But you have to raise all of the money. Well, I thought that's a great deal because I have to raise all the money anyway. Yeah, and you know? the, in the meantime, you need somebody to help that's you right. out on the ground in Mexico. Yeah. yeah. So we got together for three years, a perfect relationship. Uh, and, and ever since, I go down there. For, this is my 10th year. I get down there on an average of every eight weeks. I'm down there all the time. Um, we became very good partners together. And now, as I indicated before, I am the chair of the NPH National, uh, uh, National Board in Chicago. But again, oftentimes people think that because something happens to them or something didn't go the way that I thought it should go, does not deter you from your mission and your passion and your ability to make a difference. As a matter of fact, you might become aware of the fact that that might be a stepping stone to get closer to what you want to accomplish. And that is what happened for me. Yeah, I'll go through neck cancer 10 times more if I can serve my children like we're serving children now. I see kids that are alive every day that could have been dead very easily. I see kids that did not came to us without hope, and now they have hope. They came without opportunities, but now they have opportunities. But the blessing about this too is right now, this is our 10th year, we now have 17 high school graduates. We've got kids that are now helping other kids, and these are young people that are going to go into community and change lives in the future because they're, as you indicated before, compassionate, empathy, you know, all of these things that they develop because others in in invested in them and, and, and provided them with the insight on what really is compassion, what really is sacrifice, what really is giving back. And if you've got a blessing, I don't care where you came from, whether you came up in the streets or you came up wealthy, it isn't a matter of how you came up, it's a matter of what you do with what you have. 
I love that thought. That's you know? a really beautiful idea. We have just a few minutes left, and I want to just again remind our listeners, you're tuned in, you're listening to Your True North. Today I'm talking with Dr. John Shinsky. He's been talking about an orphanage that he founded with his wife, Cindy, down in Matamoros, Mexico. He's also a dean at Grand Valley State University. Uh, just a couple of other questions for us. I know I asked you about the children, and you've talked about some of them now finishing high school. Mm-hmm. I think you also asked them to do some kind of service at the time that they are 17, 18 years old, yeah. that they, they work with their uh, either with uh, your orphanage or other places. Right. These children, when, when they um, graduate from high school, they're required to do two years of service. You could do one year of service, but if you do two years of service, we do everything we can to either help them pay for college or pay for vocational school. So they get that opportunity, which it becomes an equalizer. And this is what I say to my children at the orphanage. You need to to take advantage of this opportunity because this will be the life equalizer for you. When you're sitting in a classroom with other kids where they've came from all different kinds of environments, you are getting an education which will equip you to be able to successfully integrate into a community and most importantly, allow you the opportunity to contribute back to that community. And our kids know, and I've said it a number of times, but I love my children and our children love us, but I say to you too, understand we're investing in you. You're just not living here and eating here. We're not just taking care of you. We're investing in you so that you can invest in others. And they know it, they feel it, and they do it. And, and it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. Now, have we been 100% successful? No. We've had situations where, you know, one of our kids left the orphanage and ended up getting into the cartel. We have kids that, you know, I mean, it's just like but anything. I'm sure with so many of them, though, you really have made an impact. And even the ones who you see who don't walk the path that you were hoping, you still had an impact. And you just don't know sometimes in their future how what you provided in this orphanage home for them may still help them turn their lives around. I think that's an excellent point and excellent insight. Whatever you do, you know, and it helps me a lot because I want to see every one of my kids succeed, but they not may not succeed in the time period when I'm there. Yeah. At least we've planted the seed. Absolutely. I, a couple of closing questions for you. I'm wondering, um, what would you say you're most grateful for? Most grateful for? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that I'm most grateful for. And um, I guess I, I guess I have to go back and say for my foster family that gave me the opportunity to be able to have a home and to be able to get an education. It all started there. If I don't acknowledge that as the beginning, the ending isn't the same. And I know you're such a believer in education. You chose mm-hmm. it as your career, and you've used it in all kinds of different ways, serving different populations. You mentioned um, incarcerated youth, uh, young people with uh, challenges, learning challenges, disabilities, and, and now orphans in Mexico. So you really have, um, from my point of view, such an incredible legacy. From your point of view, what do you hope is really the footprint that you're leaving on the world? Um, my footprint is my children. That's it. You know, I, I have to tell you, NPH was founded by Father Wasson. 
And if you talk to the orphans right now who are men and women who are leading NPH. So the ones who've grown up in that, yeah, in that environment grown up, and now serve. They all talk in honor of Father Wasson. He was a wonderful, caring man. He loved the kids. He gave them love. He built family. He did that. If I can be blessed not to be a Father Wasson, but if I can be blessed by given the opportunity to be able to build a home for kids and instill that special blessing of them seeing me as a role model for them to be able to touch lives and impact lives in the future. That's it for me. I need nothing else. Yeah, that's a, a it would be a wonderful legacy. Yeah, I just feel lucky that I've crossed paths with you and got to know more about your own experiences and the work that you're doing. <laughs> My family has sponsored a young boy down at one of the NPH um, orphanages in another part of Mexico. Yeah. And uh, just to know how excited you are about the work that you're doing down yeah. there is really meaningful. Yeah. You know, I didn't I didn't get to ask you much about the advice you'd give to young people who are charting their own path. Say the students at Grand Valley state university or any any college students young people who are early in their work life and trying to figure out what is the the way that they connect who they are as a human being and that moral compass with the work they'll do any thoughts about that well you know the main thoughts that i have today is that um what you do with this radio show and what you do with trying to contribute back to our society is extremely meaningful. I think that if if you can continue to look at yourself every day and you can ask yourself, you know, what in my life matters? What have I done to be able to make a difference? That's the value of who we are and why we're here and what we do. Well, I want to thank you for the work that you do with those children and, and here in West Michigan with the students at Grand Valley State University. I also want to thank you for all of the rich thoughts and, and the example that your life is for anyone who knows you. Um, it's been really a delight to talk with you today, Dr. John Shinsky, Associate Dean at Grand Valley State University and founder of the City of Children Shinsky Orphanage in Matamoros, Mexico. I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in to Your True North. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Your True North Podcasts. Twitter is at YTN Podcasts. You can subscribe to Your True North wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, our producer is Sean O'Melia, and I'm your host, Cindy Camp. Please join us again for another conversation about values as a compass for life's journey.